Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. This is episode 23, and I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. The Nefesh podcast takes its name from the Hebrew word for soul, Nefesh. And as we zero in on Christmas this year, leading into the Christmas season, I want to share uh, a scripture and discuss the reflect upon the Christmas story, particularly from Mary's perspective. Several years ago when I was was in a program called Bible Quiz, I was a teenager and my third year in the program, I think I was about 14 or so, we had the privilege of memorizing the whole book of Luke. And it was right at the time when uh, Amy Grant came out with her Christmas, her second Christmas album. And one of the songs on that album was titled uh, Breath of Heaven or Mary's Song. And I loved how it coincided with me memorizing the, the birth of Jesus, the birth narrative in Luke, particularly as it seems to be coming from Mary's perspective. Now, some scholars think that, some biblical scholars believe that Mary actually helped Luke, contributed some of the stories in Luke's gospel. Luke, uh, it is believed that Luke, who was a friend of Paul, a Gentile physician, not a lot of no- is known about him, but that he was the one to write the gospel of Luke and Acts, really, that they were kind of, uh, you know, first... Luke is, is the first part, Acts is the second part of this, of this series, uh, the style of writing is the same, and, and you see a lot of things in the book of Luke from Mary's perspective, particularly stories that we don't see in Matthew. Of the four Gospels, Matthew and Luke are the only two that describe any part of Jesus' birth. John chapter 1 is really similar to Genesis chapter 1, and it's as if John, the writer, believed to be the writer, one of the, the apostles, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved, goes and takes us back to uh, Genesis 1 and tries to show a connection between Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 in affirming uh, the divinity and and the eventually throughout his gospel, both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus was in fact God in human flesh. And Mark, he just jumps right in, thought to be written from uh, Peter's perspective, though not written by Peter, thought to be written by John Mark, another companion of Paul, tra- uh, a cousin of Barnabas, one of those really close in the early church. And it's very action-oriented. Mark is all about just showing the actions and the very short sayings of Jesus and getting Jesus to the cross, which was the whole purpose of his coming. Matthew and Luke give us the birth, and they are written from two different perspectives. Matthew's story starts really with the angel visiting uh, Joseph, and or really even before that, the uh, the lineage of Joseph, and it it's trying to show that that Joseph, as Jesus's earthly father, can tie his his lineage back to Abraham. Matthew is thought to be written from 
uh, by written written by Levi, who is also one of the the early twelve apostles, and it shows a Jewish connection. Shows that Jesus, the Messiah, comes from a uh, the lineage all the way, not just through David, but all the way back to Abraham and shows his, uh, starts there with the genealogy. And then it comes into uh, the angel coming to Joseph and saying, hey, you're the, the, the young girl that you are engaged to, she is pregnant with the Messiah, but don't do anything to her. Don't divorce her. And, um, and Joseph, though we don't know a whole lot about him, in fact, it's uh, tradition has it that he passed even before, you know, by the time Jesus was an adult, um, that he would have been, Joseph would have been older than Mary and uh, probably, you know, was not around for Jesus's entire life and really is just there at the birth narrative and is there 12 years later when Jesus is in the temple, but doesn't have a prominent place beyond that. But he is somebody who is, you know, pretty significant in that he obeyed this angel's words and uh, and took care of Mary and took care of Jesus. And then it takes us in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it takes us into um, their, their, uh, Jesus being born, but also their flight from Bethlehem to Egypt and um, uh, King Herod's attempt to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem in order to try to kill this, this, uh, King Jesus, who is said to be going to be King of the Jews. And it, the Matthew's gospel contains the story of the three wise men, um, you know, growing up, I think a lot of us knew it as the, the three Kings and, uh, you know, the song that goes along with it, but it's thought that these were probably, uh, a type of astronomer, and uh, that they were wise kind of scientists, astronomers who, uh, who studied the sky and the stars and could uh, kind of, you know, uh, based upon what the movement of the stars was and, and uh, could then see an, an, an anomaly with this star that was then going to rest over where Jesus was born. And so Matthew's gospel contains that. But Luke's gospel starts with, with Mary, and it starts with the angel coming to Mary. And I want to read that scripture here in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and this is the NIV. It says, in the sixth month uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And I love the next verse in verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Yeah, Mary I'm with you. I would have been troubled too. Uh, not so much by, hey, you know, God's highly favored with you. It more of, uh, what are you doing here? What do you want? That sounds like you want something from me, right? Um, and <laughs> wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That always stood out to me, even as I uh, memorized it, kind of like, I wondered what that meant. Was she, was she, um, I mean, they had stories of angels and, and they had the old Testament. So it's not like angels were, 
I, I'm sure they were scarce, but it's not like it was completely unusual. But um, maybe she wondered at her, her being called highly favored. Or maybe she was like me thinking, you know, what do you want? What, what kind of, what kind of, what, what are you about to ask me that you're showing up in my, in my living room, so to speak? Verse 30, it says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Yeshua or Jesus, Jesus in the Greek, Yeshua in the Hebrew. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary likely would have understood what this meant as far as an earthly Messiah. The word, uh, the word Messiah is the Hebrew rendition of the word anointed. And in the Greek, it was replaced with Christ. This is why we, we call Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one, or Jesus the Messiah. She would have understood it from what had been by that time developed uh, a, a messianic lore that there would be a ruler from the line of David as promised by God who would, who would reign forever and who would... Uh, Again, as the tradition developed, as the legend developed, it would be somebody who would deliver them from their oppressors. For the last 600 years, they had been oppressed by one kingdom after another. First, the Babylonians who had destroyed their temple and the city of Jerusalem in, the, in uh, 587 or 586 B.C., and then a few decades later, it was the Persians who took over from the Babylonians. From the Persians, it was the Greeks with Alexander the Great. And then a few centuries later, it was the Romans. And at a brief period in that time, a brief moment, and I think the second century, they have somebody who is ruling over them from their own. They, they've been able to throw off their oppressors for a brief moment and have their their land to a certain extent and their kingdom back and then it it all gets overpowered again by the romans and so they've they've been without their their freedom their sense of um their sense of god's people without these oppressors for 600 years and so she likely would have understood it from that perspective probably still would have been very freaked out i mean can you imagine uh, that you are told that you are going to give birth to somebody who is going to do such an extraordinary thing. You know, I can't imagine if a parallel to the, today might be uh, Princess Catherine of, of England, of, the, of Great Britain, and knowing that she was the, going to be the, the mother of the future king or queen of England. But she knew that going in. Mary is a young girl engaged to some guy joseph more than likely a carpenter she didn't know going in that that's what she was going to be doing and you get this announcement and her response 
is pretty clear. How will this be, she says in verse 34, she asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Yes, it means the same thing today as it did back then. Yes, she, there was no way she could, she could be conceiving of a, of a child. She had yet to have sex with, uh, with anybody, but, but also Joseph. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and, and she who is said was to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And this kind of serves as a... Uh, as a precursor, uh, almost as a, I'm going to give you a sign that this is going to take place. And this, again, was, was common, or, or we do see this in scripture, signs. God gives us an indication of, yes, I am going to do what I say I am going to do. So here's a little taste of what I'm going to do so that you can see I'm going to do what I'm actually going to do. And uh, some uh, scholars, uh, Dr. John Hartley, uh, referred to us this as the word event word, where you have uh, a prophecy of something that you're that God was going to do, or, or uh, uh, God saying that He's going to do something. The event takes place, and then the it's the afterward where there's the interpretation or the response to the event to the. Uh, the miracle. And in some cases, even before that, there would be a sign of what was uh, a, a promise of what was then going to come even later on. And you see this in the story of the Exodus, where God does miracle after miracle, these plagues upon Egypt, and he says he was going to do it, then he does it. And then there is a response. And so when they get to the Red Sea and the the uh, Pharaoh and his army are chasing them. The Israelites still get freaked out, but some of them, and even Moses, who's got to lead them through this, there had to have been some reminder of, hey, wait a second. Yeah, this is a big ask. Yeah, we're being chased and we're at a sea and there is nowhere to go. But remember all those plagues that God did you know, to even get us to this point where we could be out here at the Red Sea being chased by Pharaoh. And so there's, there's uh, at times something preceding the big miracle, a smaller miracle that lets us know that, that what is happening, that God's got it, that he, what he is going to do, he's going to show us that he's going to take care of the small thing. I mean, Elizabeth having a kid in her old age was not a small thing, but it's definitely smaller than Mary, who's a virgin, giving birth to not just the Messiah, but to God in human flesh. And so uh, the angel says to her that even your cousin Elizabeth, you may not have known this, uh, Mary, but she's six months pregnant and she's about to give birth. In verse 37, the angel is still speaking. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. And I love Mary's response. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I 
am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. At 14, I can honestly say to you, as I'm memorizing these words, possibly the same age as Mary was when she was pregnant, I don't know that that, I, I, well, actually, I can guarantee that would not have been my response. I, I, I would not have had the maturity or the presence of mind or the, the incredible trust that it took for Mary to say, whatever you want, God, I am here to serve you and to do your will. You know, a lot is said over the years and, and in some Christian uh, traditions, some Christian faith traditions, there is a veneration of Mary that makes other faith traditions, tra faith uh, traditions uncomfortable. Um, and there's debate and theological debates, and I, you know, we won't get into that because it's unnecessary. But uh, though, though scripture does not seem to indicate that Mary is, um, well, scripture is pretty clear that she is a human, but she is a human being used by God. She's not God, but there was something special about her. There had to have been for God to choose her. And if we just look at her response, I was pretty special. For her to be willing to say, whatever you want, though I have no idea how I'm going to do this, though this is really, really scary, though this is crazy, I am willing to surrender myself to this. One of the things that I love about the Christmas season, I love Christmas songs, love Christmas songs. I love the lights and the sounds of Christmas. I, I love Christmas carols. I love uh, most newer Christmas songs. Some are, uh, you know, cheesy or ridiculous, but I love, I love Christmas songs. And uh, one of the ones that is not necessarily a Christmas song, but is sung at Christmas is the Ave Maria, a beautiful song uh, sung in Latin, an ancient, an ancient song, really celebrating Mary for, for what she did, for being the mother of God. And both the Ave Maria, Amy Grant's Breath of Heaven, and then this passage right here, where Mary's, it's known as Mary's Magnificat, uh, and in the King James, boy, those words just, there's something about the King James Version. But in the NIV, it says this, and she, as she's going to Mary, um, she, as soon as the angel leaves, she's, she goes and she visits Mary. Or she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, and, and uh, verse 41 of the same chapter says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Elizabeth says to Mary in a loud voice. She exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. 
But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth, right then and there, through the power of the Holy Spirit, she is, she receives an understanding that Mary is carrying God's son, that Mary is carrying the Messiah. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this is Mary's song in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And what is so powerful about that is that Mary, in her, her excitement, in her, her uh, anticipation, she is glorifying God, declaring God to be magni magnificent. And towards the end of those verses, uh, again, from her perspective, she is understanding, at least this initial understanding, that, that this Messiah was going to come. And was going to provide some type of redemption. And my favorite verse of that is the first one in, in, in verses 46 and 47. Where she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And in the King James, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. There's something about worship music and Christmas music that fills my soul. I, I, I just picture her in this moment of ecstasy and adoration and worship, and her soul being overflowing, a soul overflowing, in worship to God, despite what was ahead of her. Again, if this were me, a whole different response. But her response is to sing praise to God, to thank him for what was coming. And we see as Luke goes on, that she is reflective and takes Jesus and his words and the things that happen seriously. And in Luke chapter 2, as she gives birth, and there's the great, great story of the angels revealing it to the shepherds and, and, and uh, singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And towards the end of that, it says that Mary took all of these things and she pondered them in her heart. There is something special about Mary, certainly. And it's okay to celebrate her 
and what she did for providing the safe place that, that God knew the type of person who was needed to care for a very vulnerable being who is both incredibly vulnerable and yet the, the great I am, the mighty God. In her soul, in the depths of her being, she was able to both glorify and trust God for what was next. In Amy Grant's song, the chorus says, Breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me, breath of heaven. Lighten my darkness. Pour over me your holiness, for you are holy. A beautiful song, one that Mary very possibly, or something similar that, that she would have sung in her, in the moments of both resolution and I'm sure fear that would have still come with her. What continues to amaze me about God is that he chooses to use humans for his purposes. God used, God used humans to bring about his word, the Bible. God used humans in the early garden who didn't quite get it right, but to, to sustain the earth and multiply in it. He used a human couple to care for his son, Jesus, and birth God himself through human and he continues to use humans today to reflect his love and his kingdom on this earth. I am in awe of a God who would trust faulty humans full of fear and whole host of other things. But God continues to use us. May we at this Christmas season, or whenever you are listening to this, may we find faith and confidence in his confidence and faith in us. May we remember those moments where his spirit touched our spirit, touched our soul. That in the depths of our being, our connection with him, the creator of the world, may resonate deeply within us. Whatever we are facing or going through, whatever challenges lie ahead of us, whatever, whatever things we are attached to now that, that bear in on us, may we remember him and his care for us and his faith in us. 
and his work in our lives each day. Well, thank you for listening for uh, to this week's episode of the Nefesh Podcast, episode 23. And I pray that your Christmas and your New Year's are full of God's peace, His peace in your life, His peace on earth, His peace and inner peace that remains constant despite external circumstances. That Paul, as Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, may the peace uh, that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.